Michelle. Hi, Greta. Why does it feel like it's been ages since we've last talked? It really does. Even though we uh, basically record at, on the same day every week, I think it's because we hung out since the last time uh, that we recorded. We actually hung out in person. We watched Clueless in the park. Uh, so amazing that was so much fun uh michelle she like invite she invited me to i begged um, (laughs) okay begged well invited me to um this like outdoor park movie in the park thing and it was so much fun my um two of my other friends came along and we had a charcuterie board it was so much fun oh well okay we had a charcuterie board and a fabulous cake which I like did not see coming at all. The cake was fantastic. And we did that thing that I always see on TikTok where you just take the plastic cup and then you just like get the cake with the cup and you eat the cake out of the cup. It was amazing. Fantastic. 10 out of 10 recommend. And um, the cake on it, it said as if. It was so cute. We'll post pictures of it on our Twitter so you guys can check out our charcuterie board. Before we get started, let's introduce ourselves. Michelle, do you want to take it away? I'm Michelle. And I'm Greta. And this is our Formula One podcast, Race Week Recap. And this is episode two of our summer break series where we find things to talk about that aren't the races. Yes, this summer break has been pretty eventful and we will discuss more about it in our next episode for our summer break. But today we're going to be talking about fandoms being a fangirl and how it all involves with formula one um so to start off i thought it might be a good idea to touch on how we started or what like our first fandom was your favorite fandom and how we started getting involved in like fangirl culture i love how serious this is (laughs) this is this is greta's doing and i'm obsessed i am so excited to talk about this this topic is so much fun and it hardly ever gets touched on but a lot of people think that like fandoms and being a fangirl is a very online thing and it is but there's a reason why everything that like teenage girls like makes millions and millions of money. Um, and that's because of fangirls, right? 100%. Your pop stars, your celebrities, TV shows, um, music, specifically music. If teenage girls are into it or girls are into it, women are into it, then it's going to make money. So it's a really interesting topic that I wanted to touch on today. So yes. Girls run the world. No, like actually, actually. I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's like a known fact, but well, in most like cis heteronormative households, women are the people who, um, they're the ones that go shopping. Therefore, they're the ones that like choose what to spend their money on, the the home's money on. Um, Yeah, they're the ones in charge of the financial decisions. Exactly. Absolutely. So it's, um, and it all kind of starts from when, we're teenagers freaking out over um like what boy band we're gonna see in concerts next so i figured it would be this would be an interesting kind of deep dive into um fangirl 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 culture and how it has led to formula one and then a couple other um like side topics that we're gonna touch on so michelle um what was your first fandom my first fandom had to be harry potter when i was in like elementary school um, my uh, brother had some of the books and then I just like read all of them and uh, like my friend, my best friend read all of them too. And, you know, we watched all of the movies 
and we were obsessed let me tell you like i was on MuggleNet every single day i don't know if like i want to remember it's like MuggleNet, but like that was my shit i ate it up yeah was MuggleNet the only way that you consumed this fandom or any harry potter no MuggleNet was kind of like the source for like all of like the harry potter news okay um and i fanfiction.net was also like the place absolutely to read um like harry potter fanfiction i was a huge like jilly girl like james and lily <laughs> james and lily are honestly like the otp i can't they really are they are they are the one two true pairing um but i vaguely remember there was like another like site that was dedicated to like specifically harry potter fanfiction i don't even remember what it's called at this point i think it was like a live journal site or something but that one had a lot a lot of fanfics on it as well that's that's really interesting i um like i i got into harry potter but like later on as an adult as in like 2019 was when I first read all of the books. I had seen the movies, but I hadn't read any of the books. So it was it hasn't wasn't until recent that like I got into it. And then everything came out about J.K. Rowling being like a disgusting human. And that's when you have like death of the author, and you're able to separate the author and the art, I guess. Um, but so how did you get into the fanfic? So you mentioned it was like your friend that got you into it. I feel like we both kind of got into it together. At the same time. I don't know. I just feel like I've always just been like really interested in um like reading fanfics. I think it's has it has to do with like you know, like you love these characters so much right. and it's basically like using your imagination a bit where you um sort of like fantasize about like oh you know like what if these characters were in this situation and then the beautiful thing about fandom and like the internet is that someone has written that exact same situation and it's basically a way to like kind of continue to engage more um with something that you are you know you love i'm smiling from ear to ear because when you first start off as like a baby fan, it's just like discovering a whole new world. It really puts you like it really opens the door for a community, a space of community, which is very, very unique. And I feel it was not as accessible if it, it wouldn't be as accessible if it wasn't for the Internet. It really is all about like the community, I think. A little bit about, I guess, me, my first experience with um being a fan of something like a big fan was this is gonna age me a little bit it was pokemon okay Um, i was a fan of pokemon i loved that show and when i was younger there's there's like pictures of me in a high chair holding up an ash and misty doll that was like my my first introduction to fandom but i was so small there was like no internet back then so then i discovered like formally what like fan internet and like that fandom fangirl culture was um with twilight oh yes twilight i cannot forget twilight i was also like so into twilight i was in like late elementary school early middle school twilight is very formative for a lot of people i know it gets like, twilight was a cultural reset it like absolutely was a cultural let's be reset. real about it i i remember obsessing over the books 
and it just being like granted it's not the best when you look back at it you're like there's some questionable choices and decisions were made in that book but I guess it's like I've always said you can't fully love something without also being fully critical of it you have like in order to love something you have to be well aware of all the good and the bad and I feel like I, I feel that way towards Twilight like I know it's problematic and awful but I still love it um it's very like warm place in my heart but that led me to Tumblr and the obsession that was like Tumblr and fandoms and that that kind of led me to music fandoms when I was on Tumblr it was exiting kind of Twilight and entering the Lana Del Rey um a Doctor Who phase and I never got into Doctor Who was that a fandom that you engaged with no but I was also on Tumblr around like 2012 and truly saw like a ton of like doctor who stuff it was like the holy trinity of tumblr fandom it was like super hulak oh my god yeah super hulak that was the thing it was yeah doctor who was gigantic on tumblr and i just had no no idea i mean now we kind of um we engage with like things we're fans of a little bit differently now but um Mm -hmm. um so then after twilight um my next big like fan fan fangirl moment was with a one direction (laughs) um did you (laughs) did you um listen to what did you listen to one direction or i was never a fan of one direction because i was too hard of a k-pop stan oh so (laughs) i think when i was in middle school i got like super into k-pop started with like super junior Mm -hmm. like snsd shiny uh and then yeah i feel like i've been to k-pop for like half my life (laughs) okay um yeah and then i got into bts like later like in high school okay yeah let's talk about one direction okay so This has been touched on a lot recently, um, mostly because Harry Styles was just spotted wearing a Daniel Ricardo t-shirt, and all the other kind of uh, One Direction members all um, have spoken up about liking Formula One or being interested in Formula One. (laughs) They spoke their truth. They spoke their truth. (laughs) Um, But actually, today, one of my really good friends, she just randomly texted me. She goes, hey, Greta, are you a One Direction fan? And this is, that's what kind of like sparked sparked me to want to talk about this. Um, Because I have a very mixed relationship with One Direction. Uh, Yeah, uh, I liked One Direction. I mean, One Direction kind of came up. Drink every single time I say One Direction. Uh, One Direction kind of came up um, during my junior and like senior year of high school. So this was the point in time when it was like, it was a little bit not cool to like 1D anymore, right? Or to be into boy bands. In terms of the time period or in terms of how old you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my age. Like we we were going into college and it was not cool anymore or whatever. But I did go to the Up All Night concert, and that was very, very memorable. But um, What year was that? 2012, okay. 2013, yeah, around that time. But um, yeah, so my friend texted me. She goes, hey, did, did you like One Direction? And I just respond like, yeah, duh. And then she goes, okay, because I saw a TikTok today that like mentioned like 1D girls are now Formula One girls. 
And that brings us to the One Direction to Formula One pipeline. And I feel like this might also be applicable for K-pop because like the Venn diagram of K-pop fans, Taylor Swift fans, 1D fans, and Formula One fans is literally all just one giant circle. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I feel like... Completely scientifically based. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's nothing but science in this podcast. Um, But See, but why did you like One Direction? Was it the music? Was it the guys? Was it a single guy? Okay, so that like leads in perfectly into why F1. So for me, One Direction, it was the music. I very much enjoyed the music. It was just like literally pop genius. Very, very just amazing, sugary, mindless pop that I could just consume all the time. Okay, here for it. I love pop music. When it comes to music, I am huge on the lyrics. And I think that's what I, I, I liked. I mean, that's like the sole reason why I like Taylor Swift so much because I think her storytelling and the way she can like paint a picture is like perfection. Um, so I think that's what it was. But what really drew me into being a fan of Wendy were the interactions between the cat, the members of One Direction. Right. And I think you can kind of say the same for BTS or any other K pop band, K pop yeah, group. Yeah, for sure. Did you ship any of the members? I mean, thinking back to then is like crazy to me, but I don't know if I shipped any of the members. I just, I, I would watch their videos, like of them interacting with each other the same way I watch the form, like Formula One drivers videos now, like Grill the Grid. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, the first time I watched a Grill the Grid video, I was like, oh, these are, like, the One Direction diaries. It's the same thing. <laughs> these are both the same picture. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I'm not... I, I recently started listening to, um, like, BTS and some K-pop just because, like, my brother plays it all the time and it just kind of became an earworm. But is there similar content? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like... Um, I feel like the K-pop industry as a whole basically, like, sells, like, this, like, image. And, like, image is, like, everything mm-hmm. for K-pop um, in terms of, like, how fans, like, interact with the idols. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, shipping is, like, such a huge thing, I think, in pretty much every, like, K-pop group fandom. Um yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I don't think we've gotten to the point where there's F. Well, actually, there might be. We might have gotten to the point where there are, there are some F, some F one uh, ships. I think to like Carlando. See, but do people ship that on a romantic level? <laughs> like, I think it's just more like a pairing. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're. No, I think you might be right. I, I don't think we've gotten to. The point where we're like shipping them on the romantic level. But who's we? Do you mean like Formula One fandom or do you mean like me and you? <laughs> yeah, for fan the fandom as a whole. I, I would disagree with that because I feel like shipping is a thing in like every single fandom. Like, I mean, there is like a term for it. Mm-hmm. I actually learned recently. It's like RPF real people fiction um oh wait so, tell me more yeah i mean i have consumed a lot a lot of fan fiction in my life like let's be real about it um a bunch of like k-pop fan fiction 
I've read some Formula One fan fiction. You're I I've read Harry Potter fan fiction as recently as like a couple months ago. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, so I, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I think it's very interesting to kind of think about um, fan fiction with regard to like um, stories. So like books or, you know, TV shows mm-hmm. um, or movies versus mm-hmm. like real people fan fiction, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, is your your boy bands, um, mm-hmm. your Formula One drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely do think it's like a great area to be writing fan fiction about f- real people. I mean, I do consume it, but yeah, it just is one of those things where... Um, I don't know if you think about it it's like mm, what what brings you to do that and I think mm-hmm. again as we talked about it is the industry which kind of you know it, it all comes back to like capitalism and money like these industries mm-hmm. profit off of selling that kind of image like the, the story mm-hmm, and like the people as like characters mm-hmm. um and so that's that's why people write fanfic and we have authors who, like, themselves are, like, super against, like, fanfic and who see it as, like, sort of, um, like, treading on, like, their intellectual property. So I think, mm-hmm. like, that's, like, a whole other conversation, too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned, um, like, fanfics and um, kind of fandoms revolving around characters, that fictional characters, and then, um, f- like, real people, right? Um that kind of brings me on to like, okay, so sports just as a whole, they all um, tell a story, right? There's heroes and there's villains. And um, in our case, there's like these drivers, right? And they all have personalities and there's like hero arcs. And um, it's, yeah. that's just, that's just like the nature of sports. And if it's not, the nature of sports and it's the nature of like humans to tell a story or make a story out of a series of events um are you into any other sports do you watch any other sports not the way that i watch formula one or the way that i consume formula one um whenever the world cup rolls around i am glued to my tv that's that's and then like um, whenever like the Olympics are on, I'm also glued to my TV. <laughs> what sorts do you watch? Uh, like with the Olympics? Yeah, I I prefer the Winter Olympics. Ooh, hot take. I just really like figure skating. Mm-hmm. I think it's so much fun to watch. This one's so, for all the Izuru Hanyu girlies out there. The, the, I feel like the Winter Olympics don't get as much as much fanfare as much clout as the summer olympics but really yeah well i feel like everyone loves figure skating but i feel like it's only figures like it's only figure (laughs) skating and snowboarding at least in the states oh just so we like clarify if you can't tell by our accents um this all of this is coming from the point of view of two twenty somethings living in california (laughs) back to um the storytelling of f1 um is that so i mean i can only speak for myself but um that is the storytelling aspect is what really drew me into f1 um because i saw heroes and i saw villains and who's the villain i saw story arcs well when i okay so when i started f1 we have to remember i started tuning in after abu dhabi (laughs) 
<laughs> like as okay. Abu Dhabi after Abu Dhabi. So instantly for me, Max was the villain of the story, and Lewis had just yeah, and Lewis had just not Michael Massey. I mean, yeah, Michael, the drama I guess. queen himself. <laughs> yeah, I get. Well, I mean, I guess Michael was to blame, um, or like in like Christian Horner. So I guess for me, the villain was Red Bull, and <laughs> the hero <laughs> Red Bull as an entity, and the hero was um, Lewis and um, Mercedes. Um, but then even within the teams, there there's still that same conflict, you know? Um, there's always a number one driver and a number two. and the, Or in some cases, for some people, there's a driver who they don't like um, and a driver who they do like within the same team. Um, and some people like teams and other people like the drivers, which is also another kind of interesting way of looking at the sport. Yeah, I feel like what makes formula one so interesting is almost kind of like opposite to what you're saying is i feel like it's so easy to like you know like half of the grid i feel like Mm -hmm. you know i i have like um like my two favorite drivers like charles and lewis but i i like pretty much like almost all of like the grid And, and like i root for them and i want them to like do well so i feel like that's what's cool about it too i think because there are only like 20 like people that you really need to like know mm-hmm. um, at any point um, to be able to like enjoy um, and feel like you're a fan of them and the sport. Yeah, it's a very accessible, very, well, I don't want to use the word accessible because Formula One is nothing, is anything but accessible, but it's a very approachable bite-sized sport that you can get into. Um, like you said, only 20 drivers and that's it. It's not like soccer, football, where you have the players and then you have the substitutes and people running in and out constantly (laughs) and keeping track of everybody and the nicknames is borderline impossible. So it's definitely controlled. I mean, I guess the only other sport that I consider to be that small would be like tennis. Yeah, I um, am a huge fan of tennis. I grew up watching it and then I kind of stopped like um, as I grew up. But then last year uh, I got back into it and yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm obsessed. I love tennis. And since I kind of got into F1, it's been really interesting to see like the intersection of like tennis Twitter and F1 Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really funny because I have like mutuals on like tennis Twitter who are like constantly like finding new words that they need to mute so as to like not get F1 on their timeline. F1 has really started to like, um, to seep into different parts of the internet, into different parts, like into different fandoms. Um, and I'm really interested in talking a little bit about why you think that might be the case. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like um, something that's similar between like both tennis and F1 is that they're individual sports. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the focus is more on like the individuals like the individual tennis players or like the individual formula one drivers mm-hmm. i think that's what also makes it easier to get invested um so like you know you have like your favorite player or your favorite driver mm-hmm. and you consistently like watch them and you know you root for them um and so it creates like this kind of like personal investment um and yeah i would honestly be really interested to hear like 
um, from the perspective of, I guess, people who watch, like, team sports and have, like, a team that they super root for. Mm -hmm. Because I think the only, like, analogous component of that in Formula One is, like, people who are, like, Ferrari fans or Mercedes Mm -hmm. fans or Red Bull fans. Mm -hmm. People who um, specifically like, like, a team. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, me personally, like, I don't consider myself a Ferrari fan as much as I like both Charles and Carlos. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, why would I be a fan of the team? Like that, like in my head, like doesn't even make sense. But I wonder if that feeling is like different compared to like people who um, regularly watch like team sports. I mean, I don't know if anybody can like accept that they are a Ferrari fan at the moment, but <laughs> I completely understand your sentiment and what uh-huh. you're talking about. Yeah, that is that actually is very interesting. Um, and it's funny that you say that uh, F1 is a very individualistic, like it's a very one person sport because there's technically two drivers. But I guess that's why um, that's the importance of the drivers and the um, constructors cup, right? it kind of sets it apart in that regard. Yeah, and I think even though they're on teams, they're still um, competing against each other, Mm -hmm. which you can't say about, like, other team sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, in a way, it's like, how could you, you know, have, like... How could you equally like both drivers on a team? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of, like, hard to wrap my head around, like... You always have a favorite. How do you... Yeah, you're always going to have a favorite. What do you mean? Like, you'd rather, like, you want them to, like, tie? Like, no. (laughs) I definitely, definitely agree in that the drivers and the personalities are what makes Formula One so much fun and such a, like, easy sport to get into. And I feel like that has changed a lot in, like, the last two, three years. Because of a certain little show called Drive to Survive. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we hopped on, I, don't, I haven't told you this, before I hopped, we, before we hopped on this uh, recording, I actually spoke to someone who was a Formula One fan prior to Drive to Survive. They actually got into Formula One because of their father. And... Um, their father, like growing up, they watched it and they originally entered Formula One with interests in the cars and in the like constructors. And I think that is very opposite from new fans who have been int- like introduced to Formula One from from Drive to Survive. Um, we definitely it's definitely the personalities and it's definitely the drivers. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I hear a loud car in the street and, like, I get fucking annoyed. Like, (laughs) I'm not here for the car. Right? Um, I recently, recently, I have grown to become a really big fan of the teams and the engineers in particular. Um, Like, the, the science that goes into Formula One and into designing these cars. It's, I've, I've said it like thousands of times, I think, to like everybody I speak to when it comes to Formula One. These cars, um, I truly believe that Formula One is a perfect example of what happens when you give a group of scientists a giant sum of money. Like, the feats that, that can be done is absolutely mind-boggling and incredible. It, to me, it only parallels that of like the work done with like NASA. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Formula One is basically NASA. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, these cars are so fuel efficient. If only we could, like, give them more money so that they can design this on a, like, to make this as cheap as possible so that they can save enough money so that they can pay their drivers more money. Um, and then we can transfer this onto our regular cars, you know? Same with, like, going, uh, Formula One going fuel efficient. Um, what do you mean pay the drivers more money? <laughs> They're already overpaid. What? Listen, there's going to come a point where the drivers are going to continue to ask for more money and the teams are going to need to figure out how they're going to pay these little spoiled drivers this salary. So the only one thing you got to do, make everything else cheaper, make manufacturing these pieces cheaper. All of this can then be transferred over to everyday everyday uh cars similar to what we did with um nasa right so a lot of like um like microchips and making everything smaller cell phones all came down to like scientists being put against between a wall and a hard place and being told you can only take so much into space it's got to be small enough make it smaller so make greta is science nerd number one listen uh, and we love to see it we have to see it <laughs> It's just this is something that I'm very passionate about optimization, passionate about optimization. But um, back to before I went on this tangent, um, we were talking about the drivers and the personalities. Um, and I wanted to touch on how that has changed from before social media to now. Um, the drivers are so accessible. I feel like their online presence and their social media presence is part of their job now. Oh, 100%. Right? Wasn't Max the one who said, like, you, you, you quoted this. Yeah. It's like driving isn't the job, media is the job. Yeah. I, I, I'm really curious in regard, I'm curious about their, um, like, if it's in their contract, do they have to, like, post a certain amount of time or interact with a certain amount of people online? Or if that's, like, their private, like, separate from um from the company they drive for it's just something that i'm like very very curious about because like we see max wearing red bull shirts 24 7 i wonder if that's like a style choice <laughs> or if that's Stop. because they're they're forcing him to and um same with like the red bull shirt is actually a tattoo no a yes <laughs> it's permanently on his body no absolutely and like you look at like charles charles's instagram and carlos's instagram and it's all Ferrari 247365. So I wonder if it's like in their contract, like it's a clause that they have to post X number of like Instagram posts mentioning Ferrari or talking about Ferrari, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. But I mean, at the end of the day, they have social media managers to do that. It's mm -hmm. like, it's not like, I don't know. I don't imagine it takes much of like their headspace and unless they're posting, you know, their, their little thirst traps. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how the drivers interact with their fans um, and in general, like their online presence. And I think um, starting the last couple of years, um, quite a few drivers have started doing like YouTube vlogs and land out with the streaming. Yeah, I just feel like that kind of gives like an extra look into like their lives and how like their day to day operates, you know, like in the paddock and all of that. It's interesting how 
different uh different social media platforms and the different fans on the different platforms interact with this content so <laughs> how do we categorize each social media this is that's exactly what we're going to get into because that's where the fans are right we are on social media and we interact with the drivers in this these platforms um so i mean i have been quoted as saying that um that um twitter is feral and which is why i love that platform so much um and i really feel like i really feel like twitter is one of the um it's it's not like disgusting at least the part of twitter where the parts of twitter we are in and we interact with you don't get like awful comments awful racist sexist comments that like the ones that you find on like uh, uh like reddit and some reddit forums um or Instagram comments. I feel like Instagram comments are so toxic. Yes, Instagram comments are so toxic. It's really, really bad. Um, but the way that um, Twitter, like Formula One fans, um, what the content we post and the content that is like fed to us is just very funny. And it's very feral. And half the time, like, you'll, like, you, half the time you will see someone with like, it's like a Mick Schumacher avatar. And they're tweeting about how Mick still hasn't, doesn't have like a confirmed seat. And it's like a meme of like borderline clowning on Mick for not having a seat. Like it's hilarious. It's very like self-deprecating and very much like, yes, I'm a fan, but also this is content and I'm going to post it because I know it's funny. And I love that about Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is all about having a laugh. Um, (laughs) But I think at the same time, like, there is something about the platform that lends itself to um, like sports in general mm-hmm. because, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like your live feed of like people tweeting about their reactions to whatever is going on. I think that has a way to um, kind of just generate buzz in a way that you don't necessarily see on like Instagram or TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like all of, like the Alpine drama, mm-hmm. um, even though, you know, like, you know, that, that Alpine, the initial Alpine post was, you know, on their Instagram and, uh, Oscar Piastri also posted, um, that like same text that he tweeted on his Instagram story. Um, <laughs> Twitter had a field day. It was the most fun day on twitter i have had in a very long time like uh twitter allows for the breaking news and then the immediate response um instagram still feels like you're in a little island by yourself um with very limited interactions and there's interactions and it's only in like the dms while twitter feels like it's an echo chamber and everyone's screaming into the void at the same time. And then sometimes you'll catch something funny and you can like, like comment back to it. Yeah, uh, 100%. I saw this hilarious little graphic that someone made of like, you know, like the different like Twitter pages. Mm -hmm. And it's like home is like people are people are screaming. Mm -hmm. And then like explore is like, what are people screaming about Mm -hmm. uh the notifications is like oh now they're screaming at you you." Mm -hmm. and then um the dms is like oh now they made it personal that's absolutely perfect yeah that's why twitter i feel like such a great place um but it was brought to my attention that the way that the new formula one fans interact on twitter is much different than how Formula One fans, typically older Formula One fans, interact on something like Reddit, 
Um, so I am not on Reddit on the F1 Reddit page. I don't touch Reddit. I touch Reddit on occasion, but I have never made a Reddit account. There was a dark, dark time uh, when I was in middle school where I would actually like <laughs> go on Reddit and look at like the homepage and see what was popping, but no. <laughs> I've evolved from there. The last time I touched Reddit was when we were trying to figure out how to um, set up our microphones so that they wouldn't capture each other's sounds. <laughs> Honestly, though, like Alexis Ohanian, like y- you gotta give credit where it's due. <laughs> if you want to know like the real answer to any question you have ever had in life, you put in the question into Google search and then you add Reddit at the end. And you will find an answer. You know, that's the key to life. The amount of concert codes uh pre-sale concert pre-sale codes i have found on reddit really? yes that is my that is my deep dark secret just type in the artist the year of the tour and then access code or con- promo code and then uh reddit <laughs> to google That's and so then you, you you will get it somebody will post it it's amazing um but yes so um on reddit um apparently <laughs> Um, from what I was told, uh, all the on Reddit, um, the Formula One posts, what they talk about is a lot more um, technical. There's a lot of talk about engine, the engines and how the engine is doing and how the engine has been changed and like any mods that have been done to the power unit, power unit engine, same thing. Um, just overall, like more like stats. While <laughs> um, the person I was talking to was like, yeah, I got tired of listening to like old white men talk about the upgrades that Ferrari did um, I like to go on Twitter and watch the BTS style fan cams of Carlos Sainz's arms a thousand percent honestly like who gives a fuck if they upgrade the Ferrari car they're still gonna fuck it up somehow <laughs> Yeah, no. So I, I, that's like that. Guess that was like the biggest difference. Then I thought that was really funny um, about like how um, how the fans interact on different platforms. Um, but I, yeah. you, you mentioned this earlier. We're gonna transition here a little bit because I really want to touch on this uh, regarding the fan. I mean, the drivers sharing a lot more of their personal lives on social media um, and which, a lot more of their <laughs> their gorgeous bodies. <laughs> They're chiseled, the chiseled abs from, uh, I don't know, handling the G-force of the car. Oh my gosh. But they also share a lot about their gorgeous, gorgeous girlfriends, Mm -hmm. the wags. And I wanted to touch on this because I feel like, okay, so wags, what is it? Wives and girlfriends of like blank sports. There's always interest in the partners of athletes. Um, (laughs) and I find it very, very interesting how the, um, wags for the F1 wags have been like absorbed into the fandom and how fans interact or like what they have to say. Yes. Like the majority of like the buzz around, you know, drivers and wags on in like these very like fandom spaces is like for like these like young drivers. Like you see so much about like Charles and um, Carlos and, and Lando. Mm-hmm. I feel like the two most um, prevalent wags I hear about are Lando and Luisa and Charles and Charlotte. Yeah. They might be like the youngest. 
Um, and so I feel like people who are younger will um, kind of hang on to these relationships because there are some like awful parts of the internet that talk so bad about these girls. And it's so sad. The name calling. Yeah, it's so sad, which kind of like um, it, it leads into like this feeling like you have a like a parasocial relationship with the drivers and that's not really the healthiest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then- I feel like I never heard the term parasocial relationship until like only a couple of years ago. Yeah. And definitely. honestly like it's such like an accurate descriptor I think of how fans can kind of like interact um in like these very like intense like fandom spaces mm-hmm. um and use it as like like an emotional crutch and that i think that's when like it starts to get a little bit dangerous like there, I've, like we've seen some interactions on twitter where fans are literally doing the most to either defend or take down another driver in our case or just like some of the vitriol that is like spewed out between um some of these like team whatever is just not the healthiest it's not on it it's so bad and some of it like especially towards lewis it can get very racist yeah it's not laughs and jokes no it's not that's when we start to get like step back a little bit y'all Oh, man. But, okay, back into the amazing world that is the WAGs. Uh, okay, we've mentioned this a thousand and one times. We're obsessed with Lily. Mm-hmm. We have to stand. She's just absolutely amazing. She's, like, this incredible golf player. Um, I saw I'm- her Instagram story either yesterday or today. She mm-hmm. was playing tennis, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yes! Not Lily and her Michelle era. Lily! <laughs> Michelle era. I love it. I saw the she posted like the can of tennis balls and I would and I got taken back to when I was like but in tennis boot camp when I was like in elementary school and just like the smell of opening a fresh can of tennis balls. That yeah, that's a top tier smell. That's like that's an amortentia smell. Everything about the experience, like the sound and like the smell and like how the balls feel and like they're so like clean and bouncy. Love mm-hmm. it. Love opening a new can of tennis balls. <laughs> um, I just bought some at Target the other day. Um, oh, nice. I have I have started to like get back into playing tennis because I played when I was a kid and I played like in high school. I was varsity doubles. I was not very good. But what an icon. <laughs> and then I completely stopped in college and then I have just started to get back into it. And honestly, like, I forgot how fun it is. Like, I, I really love it. But um, besides for Lily, there's another wag that I actually have become a very big fan of, I guess. Um, and I'm very happy that, like, Formula One brought me to her. Um, and that's Isa. So that is um, Carlos's, Carlos's girlfriend, Isa. Um, mm-hmm. She is a journalist. She works for this fashion company called Scalpers. Um, I have recently started listening to Isa's um, podcast. In full disclosure, it is completely in Spanish. And even though I speak Spanish, it is so difficult for me to understand <laughs> past the accent. <laughs> <laughs> you need subtitles. Honestly, yeah. Uh, I listened to it at 1.0 speed, which that's how you know. That's how you know. It takes me a little bit of time. But just, she's absolutely amazing. Super creative. The 
takes that she has on fashion and in the fashion about the fashion world it's just it's so interesting um and i've just been absolutely consuming all of that content um that's I'm, so cool it's so much fun i also wanted to i wanted to be a journalist once upon a time and so hearing her takes hearing how she got into it it's just i'm like living vicariously through um her podcast love what was like your favorite moment or like what was like a moment that really stood out to you as like something that was like just really cool to hear? Um, one of the things that they do is they interview someone like almost every episode. They'll interview someone. And then one of the first things they ask is how did you get into fashion or how did you get into like transition into fashion journalism or into making your own brand or whatever? And you would not believe the amount of people who like didn't study fashion in undergrad um yeah the amount of like oh i was a lawyer or i was studying to go i was i was going to study law um (laughs) somebody had asked them like i am a biology major how do i transition into fashion um and they were giving some advice for it (laughs) and i just thought that was so interesting um so yeah it turns out a lot of people that work in fashion have law and business backgrounds before getting into that space that's very cool would you yeah. say that you're more interested in it because of like the journalism, like fashion industry aspect of it more so than the actual fashion or is it like both? Yeah, I mean, I truly I have little to no interest in fashion. Um. <laughs> oh my God, same. I have I a friend mean- who's like really into fashion though. And so I feel like I like pick up on some things, but I okay. will literally like wear the same outfit like every single week and I, I don't care. You've seen me in my summer uniform. It's <laughs> high-waisted linen shorts, a like long line sports bra and like a button up that's on like an unopened button up that is my and like my tivas <laughs> fashion faux pas i'm sure but i have little to no interest in like fashion and, and i'm not in that like space at all on this podcast we stand tivas tevas i don't know how you pronounce it that i like bought three pairs because i couldn't decide which one i wanted <laughs> and i was asking greta i was like hey like which one looks good like you know which one should i get because i really could not decide and then you know they arrived in the mail. I tried them all on and I was like, you know what? I still can't decide. So I kept them all. But it's okay. I wear them all. I love it. I love them. I think they're amazing. I literally have three <laughs> pairs. They all look completely different from each other. Um, exactly. So it just doesn't it doesn't matter. I have like a white pair. Um they're they have like a really big platform. My friend called them the Air Force Ones of Tivas. That's what they look like. <laughs> That's so true. The platform tables are the move. I'm 5'2". I need a little bit of height. Tables, please sponsor us. Oh, please. Oh, my gosh. A dream. Um, But yeah, so I'm not really interested in the fashion. Um, Some of the things I have to say I feel like are really interesting. I do love the way that Isa Isa dresses. I love her sense of style. Um, Yes. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll check her out. But I, I absolutely adore the, like, journalistic aspect of their podcast and how they talk about um how they talk about different stories and just like their communication style it's very very good very very that's good. awesome this is now just turned into like a walking advertisement for isa's podcast the podcast in case anybody is curious is called um esta de moda like it's in style or it's in trend it's what it would translate mm-hmm. to yeah, I love Issa's style, and I also love Carmen. Carmen always 
comes through with the looks and Carmen in general I think she's so pretty and like when she smiles like she has like such a cute smile Carmen is absolutely amazing and so talented she works in like business right oh yeah I think like so. business I, or I law but just the scarves the scarves the scarves I absolutely love it Carmen and Nisa are like the best dressed in the paddocks always. Absolutely. I will say though, I absolutely adored uh, Lily's orange dropped waist corset midi dress moment. Um, I think it was at Hungary or Austria, maybe. And I was like, hmm, it's, it's kind of giving Abercrombie vibes in a good way. I, I saw like, I think it's like F1 ladies closet. They like posted it. To their story um mm-hmm. saying that yes it was mm-hmm. indeed abercrombie and then i wanted it so i bought it but i still haven't tried it on because i'm worried i <laughs> i won't like it on me because i don't usually tend to go for um that kind of silhouette but i will try it on and i will update try it yeah a hundred percent i really want to know if you want i want to hear if you like it or not it looked amazing on her oh my gosh so cute. She literally looks like a Disney princess. It's amazing. Um, which room, I that's why I, I loved um Alex's uh post this was le- this weekend when he was like, Oh, it's hard to be a wag when he was at Lily's uh game. Yeah, wags is like a tough life and yeah. you know, he was on banana duty, like that's <laughs> that's some hardcore shit. I love that Alex like leans into it so much. You can tell like he really enjoys it. So cute. You know who also leans into it and enjoys it a lot? Battery Voltas, number one boyfriend. He was at the Tour de France supporting. He was there handing out water bottles. It was great. I will say I also like kind of love that Fernando Alonso's girlfriend is an F1 journalist or like an F1 reporter. And I think recently, like she recently she interviewed him for the first time, like after they got into a relationship i was like that is so cute that is literally like the stuff of like stop i don't know self-insert fan fiction i did not know i need to see this this is like youtube yeah probably i need to watch this fernando alonso gets interviewed by his girlfriend and then um there's two more topics i wanted to touch on before we kind of end for today um and that is michelle i wanted your take on what it's like to be i mean we've been kind of lucky in that i don't think we've gotten that many negative interactions but being a woman of color in a male-dominated sport fandom any takes on it see i feel like this is one of those where i don't have a super strong pov Mm -hmm. because i think for the most part i've just kind of like lurked in fandom spaces Mm -hmm. In general, um, and also, like, within F1, like, I do not have, like, my own, like, stan account. Like, I just have, like, my normal Twitter where I, like, interact. Um, so I mainly, I don't know, I mainly just uh, look at others people, other people's posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in that respect, I don't have much to say, like, as an ex- as my experience of a woman in color um, as a fan in a male-dominated sport. Um, I will say, like, in general, like, you do see, like, all the comments that, you know, like, um, cishet men make about, you know, why women like F1 and... You only like it for the drivers. 
I love the voice. But yeah, um, you put it really well. It's like, you know what? Like, have you seen the driver's Instagram? Like, they're not doing it for you, man. Like, yep, they're not. Yep. You think like, honestly, truly, truly tell me, do you think Pierre Gasly is out here taking reflection selfies in the orange trunks for you? You think that thirst trap is for you? You're crusty ass literally stay in your lane which kind of reminds like fangirls bring the money f1 make better merch there's so much opportunity talk to mr daniel ricardo himself he makes the best merch some of the drivers have like their own merch that's actually like really nice i was really tempted to get the new like line from daniel ricardo me too um i forgot what it's called but it was such like summer vibes like citrus fruits like it was so cute it was honestly so good i was so tempted to get it all right so yeah i guess that's it for today today was a little bit more of a serious topic than when we were talking about taylor swift i don't know about you i was incredibly serious between both of these episodes i could write a dissertation on like both of these i feel like over summer we have gotten a chance to really um talk about some things that we're like genuinely interested in not that we're not interested in like the races but this is stuff that like we've been sitting on for years now yeah absolutely summer 2022 is about healing your inner child i love that you heard it here first folks summer 2022 healing your inner child i'm gonna go buy myself a squishmallow complete our summer reading program uh so michelle what is on your summer reading list i will say that i read sea of tranquility by emily st john mandel which is i think one of the first sci-fi books i've read this year absolutely amazing if you like the movie interstellar then pick this book up it is 11 out of 10 fantastic i got gratis to buy it i have not started it i'm so sorry (laughs) you need to it's actually a really short book it's only like 200 something pages and then i also read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin which was absolutely stunning uh one of my favorite reads of this year these two books are actually like two of only four five-star books that i've read this year so it's it's very high praise um for me like having a background i think in computer science made it really fun so even though i've never done any game development or i've not really ever been into playing games that much like just such a good bug um right now i'm in a little bit of a reading slump i finished love in other words and i've just been kind of like listening to whatever not really uh, haven't really like, committed to anything that's where i am for my summer reading list i'm two books away from my um yearly goal hopefully we will get to it i managed to reach my yearly goal which i set at 24 books i set it in like february um so that's super exciting. I, I might try to make my stretch goal 44 bucks. I don't know. It's kind of ambitious, but we'll see. That wraps it up for us today. Thank y'all for listening. Give us a give us a five-star review on Spotify and we'll love you forever. Yes, please. Our Taylor Swift and the Formula One playlist is up on our Spotify. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok under Race Week Recap. And we will see you next week with our final summer episode before we get back into racing. Love it. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.